Welcome to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. The hit cast offers a weekly look at Hollywood from a conservative point of view. Sick of media bias infecting Hollywood headlines? Tired of stars insulting your views? Hit has your back. Now, here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to episode 107 of the Hollywood and Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. This week we're speaking with John Nolte, senior writer with Breitbart News. Is there a stronger voice in the conservative media right now than John's? I doubt it. That's why I wanted to have him back on the show. We first spoke to him way back in the early days of the Hollywood and Toto podcast. This week's show is sponsored by Speakeasy Ideas. Now here's a message for homeschooling families from Dr. Thomas Cranowitter, president of Speakeasy Ideas. You know, freedom is never more than one generation away from being lost, depending largely on how free citizens educate their kids. And while we have no shortage of problems in the world today, the future is brighter, more hopeful, due to the good work to which you dedicated yourself, teaching your children. Speakeasy Ideas wants to be your partner for homeschool civic education. It's why we've introduced a new online civics course titled The Political Science of the American Founding. The course will help your student become prepared for the rights and duties of being a citizen by learning the political science behind the great American experiment in constitutional self-government. The political science of the American founding is the result of my scholarly research and writing, combined with years of experience teaching American government at Claremont McKenna College, Hillsdale College, and George Mason University. The materials included in this course have been selected, arranged, and packaged to supplement all kinds of curricula. You can easily modify these materials to be used for many learning levels, from young students to high schoolers. To learn more about the new online civics class for homeschoolers, I invite you to go to speakeasyideas.com homeschool. That's speakeasyideas.com homeschool. Congratulations to you and your homeschooling children, and thanks again for your good work and your interest in a sound civic education. Well, this week I got an up-close look at college millennials, and I survived. A friend of mine asked me to give a presentation at her college media course. Why not, I thought. And then I remembered, oh, college students, millennials. What could go wrong? Everything, right? Except it didn't. I talked about my journalism career, how I squeezed my way into the Washington Times entertainment desk, and other related tidbits, pretty standard stuff. And then we got into more specific topics like comedy, outrage culture, and, of course, free speech. The students asked some pretty tough questions, but fair ones, too. No one stormed out, even when I told them up front I was an unabashed conservative. Nary a tomato was thrown. It wasn't a safe space at all, and it felt pretty good. The moment reminded me that not all millennials reflect the media's image of them. Not all college students want to be coddled. Some actually want to learn and debate. Unfortunately, those that don't want to learn and don't want to debate, they get the largest platform in our culture. They wield far more power than they should. One of the questions stuck in my mind, as did the follow-up, though. Where is the line in comedy? It's a good question. I don't really have a specific answer. I said that the audience will often decide for the comedian where that line is. Get a positive reaction, get a lot of laughs, you're good. Get a negative reaction, no laughs, maybe even some anger and seething outrage in the audience night after night. Well, maybe you've crossed the line. Hard to say, certainly different in every case. But generally speaking, I think audiences are the best gauge. So someone said, well, wait a minute. What if that 
group of people who are outraged, what if they've shut down a comedian? Maybe it's just their way of saying, hey, the joke was wrong. Maybe it's the audience that's responsible for comedians having to kind of curb what they say. Maybe it's the audience's way of saying stop, and it's sort of that balance between the audience and the performer that's working out, and we're mistaking it for censorship. Well, not really the case, and as I explained, it's often a very, very small minority of people who are outraged, but then they're elevated by the media or by social media or just by plain old fear that if they don't get tackled or they don't get addressed, there's going to be a huge problem. It's wrong and it's dangerous. Once again, no tomatoes are thrown my way. Just a hearty back and forth discussion. Turns out that's possible in 2019. And given the awful nature of social media these days, it was really refreshing to see it live and in person. Didn't think it was possible, but maybe there's hope for 2019 and beyond. You're listening to the Hollywood in Toto podcast. The right take on entertainment. Here's the hit tweet of the week. You know, comedian Patton Oswalt isn't all far-left insults on Twitter. Occasionally, he does some funny stuff and also some good things. He recently helped out a right-of-center follower who needed to raise some money for a good cause. Patton helped out. Good for him. When it comes to Trump, oh, Patton just can't think straight. Here's just one of his most recent tweets. And, of course, the subject is Jesse Smollett. Way to go, Jesse. You just handed this racist, deep bleep, a get-out-of-race-baiting free card that he's going to wave around like a soiled diaper until he's re-elected. Well, you know, Patton actually does have a point. The more the left melts down, the higher the chances are of another four years of MAGA. You're listening to my daddy's podcast. He still sleeps with the nightlight on. My hit tip of the week is you. Not you, the listener. You, the TV show. Of course, it's a Netflix original. It's got Penn Badgley as a really handsome, cultured, caring bookstore manager. Oh, he's also a psychopath who's stalking a beautiful college student. She's Beck, played by Elizabeth Lale. Now, she's beautiful, curious, creative, and interesting certainly got his attention, and she has no idea that her new suitor is off his meds or his rocker or both. It's one of those shows that is just instantly addictive. I'm in. I've only seen two episodes, but I am hooked. Can't wait to see more. And partly because of Badgley's really funny narrative. He is, uh, you know, talking about what he's going through, making observations, and usually those kind of voiceovers are terrible. Kind of, it's a, the whole show, don't tell, but not here. It's really integrated beautifully into the story. It's also an interesting look into dating mores in the 21st century because on paper, Badgley's character is a catch. Not only just handsome, but he really wants to treat a woman with respect and love. He wants to help her. And if you take away the whole he's a psychopath part of the equation, he's actually pretty charming. So we'll see how things play out. I think it's going to get pretty dark from here. It's really rather gruesome. But uh, again, it's Netflix bringing us a really binge-worthy show with a twist. Now, I don't know where things will go, but I'm kind of hoping for some free time so I could gorge a few more episodes all in one sitting. You is available right now on Netflix. 
I'm Patrick Corelci. And I'm Adriana Cortez. And we're the hosts of Red Pilled America, a new storytelling podcast. Red Pilled America is not another talk show covering the day's news. We are all about telling stories. Stories Hollywood doesn't want you to hear. Stories the media mocks. Stories about everyday Americans that the elites ignore. You can think of Red Pilled America as audio documentaries. And we promise only one thing, the truth. Visit the iHeartRadio app right now to listen to Red Pilled America. Now let's get to this week's HitCast interview. Way back in the day, I connected with John Nolte as a freelance contributor to Big Hollywood. That was Andrew Breitbart's attempt to shake up Tinseltown. More often than not, it worked, and I was a very small part of it. Then later, we worked together at Breitbart News on Big Hollywood before I left to start my own site, HollywoodInToto.com. Plug, plug. John and I have stayed in touch ever since, but more importantly, I've probably read every story he's written since those days. He's savage when the situation comes, demands it, but he also takes no prisoners in his assault on shoddy journalism and Hollywood excess, and boy, do we need that. He's also really passionate about old movies, classic TV shows, and stars who really understand their mission to bring joy into our lives. You know, you can kind of cast John as a scold sometimes, but he also has lots of love to share about quality entertainment. It's one of the things I like about him the most. Here's my chat with Breitbart News' John Nolte. Well, John, welcome back to the show. You know, few people study media bias quite as intensely as you do. I'm sure it's exhausting. I think what comes to mind when I think about media bias today in 2019 is, can the press recover? Now, I know that the coverage will be sort of dramatically different if there's a Democrat in the White House in 2020. But I, I, I think, in my perception, there's been so much damage done that nothing is the same anymore. But what, what's your take? What? What could let's look on the on the, the positive side. Can can things rebound or is sort of the press heading in a direction where it can't hit the brakes? Yeah, the the there's two reasons why the media will never recover. The first is that they've completely lost the the public has completely lost faith in them. And if you think and right now there's sort of a split, you know, Republicans and independents think the media is just a total garbage fire of fake news. And that's because it is the Democrats are holding on. But once, once the Russian collusion hoax collapses, you know, when, when Bob Mueller reports, files his report, Democrats are going to have a totally different view of the media at that point, because they have been led on for two and a half years uh, that Trump is a Russian spy, and they're all waiting for the for the Mueller report. Well, the Mueller report isn't. There's not going to be anything in there about any collusion with Russia because there was no collusion with Russia. And the media already knows this because you can see them preparing for a soft landing. Democrats like Adam Schiff already know this because they're trying to shift the the debate now to Trump's you know Trump's finances, which is just a totally un-American witch hunt as if the Russian collusion thing wasn't already. So there's that reason. The other reason is that the media can't change now. They've painted themselves into a corner where they've lost everyone. They've lost everyone but the far left. And they need to hold on to that audience. And if they start to try and recover their their integrity, they're going to lose the far left. And they got to hold on to their base. So they're just all they're doing now is they live in their own heads. They don't see the world as it is. And they're programming totally to the far left to keep that audience coming. 
So it's all a number gains now to keep their base from falling out. So no, nothing's ever going to change. And then of course people we have alternative media now. We don't have to we don't have to get information from from the mainstream media. It is generally alternative media now that's doing the best reporting. You know, whether it's the Russian collusion hoax, which has been completely uh, and beautifully covered by alternative media that are looking at the other aspects of it, the important aspects of it, the, the aspects of it that are not a conspiracy theory or just the Jesse Smollett thing. It was alternative media that looked at that uh, through a healthy, skeptical lens. So you, people have an alternative now and they're going to keep turning to that alternative. And I give some props to the Chicago media because I've been following some of their reporters on Twitter, and I think they've done a pretty good job and, and kept the information flowing and kept the the opinion at, at arm's length and and just kind of kept us informed. So I you know I I think sometimes local media can do a, better, a much better job than the national folks because I think that yeah local media local media is nowhere near near as hideous as as the national media, and I think. That's another place people are turning to, to is local media. And as people are unplugging, as they're dumping their cable, uh, which we're seeing a lot, cutting the cord, they get that antenna. And now they're going to watch local news again. That happened here. And we watch these local newscasts. And they're not perfect, but it. But you think to yourself, well, this is so much more sane than CNN or Meet the Press or Good Morning America, at least there's some rationality here. Mm -hmm. So that's a very good point. And I agree with you on that. The local media were really heroes in the Jesse Smollett thing. They, they really covered it beautifully and perfectly. I want to mention, you, you kind of touched upon the the far left as the audience for the mainstream media now in a sense. And I, I what I think about is I think that's true across the culture because – you know, back in the day, a Stephen Colbert couldn't be hard left because he wouldn't get the audience numbers. He, he needs bigger numbers. He needs Carson-esque figures. But he doesn't need that now. He needs a much smaller piece of the pie. So is, is that maybe why we're seeing what we're seeing across late night TV where, you know, uh, the Carson rule no longer applies and if they can get a smaller far left group, and they can kind of keep on keeping on? Yeah, it's one of the great um – it's one of the great con games is that the, the, the Hollywood and the media figured out a way to narrow cast to just their audience and to make a profit. And it's through cable TV because CNN cannot average a million viewers a day. But CNN is on 80 million cable packages or 70 million cable packages and CNN gets a dollar or two dollars a month from everyone who has a cable prescription with CNN on it. So CNN couldn't survive at the level it does with advertisers only because it doesn't have enough viewers, but it's that cable fee. It's that cable fee they get that, 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 that keeps them. It's, it's 160 or 200 million or hundred million, whatever it is, it's a hundred million to $200 million a month in free money. The people paying that are you and I who have cable. I don't have cable anymore, but I'm just making the point. Yep. And, and we may not watch CNN. We probably hate CNN, but we're still funding them. So what, what, the, cable net, what the cable package has allowed people to do, the, the Hollywood to do, is to make a show like Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon uh, or the other Jimmy – a so-called hit, even though they get maybe 3 million, 2 million, 1.5 million viewers. 
And that is 1% or less of the population in this country. It's 2% or less of the adult population. And, but they can make a living because the cable system is so rigged that that's, you, you can do that. And what that allows them to do, like the point you're making, is perfect, is that that allows them to be far left. They don't have to appeal to the whole country anymore. They just have to appeal to enough people that they can rig, that they can meet the standard in this rig game that's a hit. I mean, a perfect example uh, uh, was The Daily Show. Uh, John Stewart got maybe 1.2 million viewers a night, but they were able to call him a phenomenon, even though no one watched The Daily Show. And he was able to hold on for years, even though no one watched his show. And that's because Comedy Central gets $100 million or $200 million a, year, a month you know, a billion dollars a year in free money just because they're on your cable package. It's the whole thing is rigged. Yeah, and then the media will kind of parrot what he says again and again, and all of a sudden it feels like he's a superstar. It feels like he's omnipresent, right. but he's not. Uh, right. You know, I, I've been frustrated by the Hollywood press. I, I write about it on my site a lot about the stories they don't cover, the narratives that they kind of ignore. I was kind of curious from your perspective, are there any, and I kind of put them in the breaking news category, entertainment sites you trust or follow or even reporters who you think do a pretty good job? Because I, 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 I've got two in mind and I, I don't know, you may, you may name check them. And, uh, but I'm just kind of curious because I, I feel like that group is dwindling as well as far as the people who are trustworthy who cover Hollywood. Yeah, no, the, 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 the entertainment press is, is a disaster. And that's why you have, you have an audience because you're one of those rare places someone can go to and at least get a different perspective. And the entertainment press, it's totally monolithic. Everyone covers this. It's just like the national media. Everyone covers the same stories in the same way. It's the same headlines. You know, Star Wars isn't isn't in trouble because Kathleen Kennedy took it to the far left and turned it into this woke lecture that's no fun anymore and it's not sexy anymore. Uh, Star Wars is in trouble because the movies were were released too close together, which is absurd. Marvel releases a movie every six months, and they all make <laughs> a gajillion dollar. But they all do that, and and, and you no, know, it's and, and you know you have Deadline, you have you have the Hollywood Reporter, you have um, a, 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 a Variety, and Deadline and Variety are owned by the same people, and it's all the same thing. So I read you. I like Jeff Wells. Jeff Wells is a far left winger. Um, but the guy at least is interesting. He is willing to talk about the woke fascists. So I, I read him every day. I read you every day. Uh, and I like Paul Bond at The Hollywood Reporter, though they seem to have put a bigger leash on him than they did a few years ago because he used to really write some interesting stuff. And I don't think he's changed, but I think The Hollywood Reporter is just clamping down on any outside opinion. Um, you know, which is what we're seeing across the entire media. Yeah, just one name I'll throw out to you is actually a former guest of the Hitcast, John Levine from TheRap.com. I've been very critical of The Rap, but it's gotten better in recent months, and I think he's one of the reasons why. And I had an extensive interview with him recently, and I, he seems like the real deal. He calls out both sides, and uh, he's a really fresh voice. But yeah, they are, they are rare. Uh, I want to segue real quick into the Oscars this weekend. You know, sort of the conventional wisdom is the, the cachet of the Oscar is, is not, isn't what it used to be, and I, I think that's not for debate. But I'm kind of curious, do you think that was inevitable based on sort of cultural forces, or do you think it's the politics, or is it sort of a perfect storm of all the above? Because I, I just get the sense that no one gives a darn about the Oscars unless, you, unless you're actively employed in Hollywood. 
Yeah, it used to be that if a movie was nominated for an Oscar, the cachet was such that a movie that hadn't been doing too well in the in the uh, at the box office suddenly became a bona fide hit. You know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest comes to mind. You know, the Oscar attention to that, and that's because the American people said, "Oh, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. I need to see this." And that's gone now. You don't see you see a very very small Oscar bump if a movie's a flop. Before the Oscars, like Vice, or or even a movie that wins the Oscar, like Moonlight, uh, which I haven't even seen and never will, it just doesn't do anything. So that th- that that cachet is gone. And again, you have an institution where the game is rigged to the point where they can all live within their own heads and do whatever they want for two reasons. Number one. Uh, you don't have to make money anymore. I don't know how they do it, but these movies don't have to make money. There's hundreds and hundreds of movies produced every month, every year, I mean, and nobody watches them. And they don't go anywhere on cable, and they don't, I don't know how they make money, but they figured out a way to make all these dumb movies that nobody wants to see uh, that don't make money. And then on the flip side, you have these big Hollywood blockbusters that are only engineered to appeal to China. And in, in, in it, that, that's good in a way because they're universally appealing. The, you know, the the uh, the Marvel movies and whatnot have managed to stay out of politics. But it's bad in a way because the Chinese don't like to watch anything sexy and or anything truly interesting. But that that's another that's another industry that has just retreated into its own head and just trying to hold on to their base on the far left. I follow a lot of people on the right on Twitter, and I get a lot of comments like, "I, you know, I'm done with Meryl Streep. She's too political. She's too mean." And I, I think there's a lot of that sentiment out there. And then I look at the box office last year, and it was a pretty good year. And I know this year's been a bit soft so far. But are are conservatives truly boycotting movies? Is it much less than you think? I mean, I, I often, you know, Twitter is not the real world, and you see what's happening on Twitter, and people are very angry. And then you look at the real world and things are different. Is that the case here where conservatives have yet to kind of rise up in mass and say, hey, I'm going to hold on to my money rather than see the next Michael Shannon film because he wants me in the urn? Like what's what's your take on that? Or or is it happening in maybe in a quiet way that we're, that's hard to register? It's happening in a quiet way. I mean, you're right. Twitter's not reality, whether you're looking at it from the right or the left. But what what's happened and I always use this example. Imagine if Tony the Tiger called half the country racist Nazis. I mean, I'm pretty sure Frosted Flakes would stop selling as well as they do. And you have in Hollywood, their spokespeople, their Tony the Tigers, their Mr. Whipples <laughs> out there, and that's the movie stars, just trashing us, trashing half the country. And what's happened is that the movie star system has died. You know, you have exceptions that prove the rule, Denzel Washington, Tom Cruise, but the movie star system has died. And as a result, Hollywood can no longer sell uh, the movies we used to watch 20 years ago, where you had sort of these movie star driven movies uh, that, that were just uh, dramas or they were just the standard action movie. So the so the, those movies those movies that cost twenty five thirty million dollars to make don't don't go anywhere. The drama is dead. The, the comedy is dead, and that's because we just hate these people so much. We're actually just hating them back. We don't go to those, but we will go to the carnival rides. We will go to the roller coaster ride. 
the amusement park ride, the Marvel movie, the Star Wars movie. We'll go to those because we know that chances are we're not going to be offended. No one's going to attack us. And they're just dumb escapism fun. So you have 20, 25 tent poles a year that come out and those hold up the industry. But the rest of the the rest of the industry is just just dead. And they still make them. Again, I don't know how they do it, but they still make them. But nobody goes to see them. The way you look at Hollywood is different than most people. I'm kind of curious: Are there any sort of under the radar trends you're seeing as far as the content coming our way, or anything that sort of you kind of see perking up that maybe hasn't been reported on in mass yet? I, I think one of the one of the big things I've noticed over the last I don't know six or seven years is that movies are not sexy anymore. You know, you just have, they're just not sexy. They're, they're, there's, and I don't know if it's woke. People just don't, oh, you can't objectify. I don't think there's anything wrong with objectifying a woman who wants to be objectified. If Pamela Anderson wants to be objectified and I want to objectify her, that is two consenting adults entering into a relationship that's nobody's business. But that's gone now, and movies just aren't sexy anymore, and sex scenes aren't sexy anymore, even if, even if we have them. And the whole point of going to the movies, one of the points of going to the movies is to fall in love. You know, you fall in love with the leading lady, or, or you're, you're, you're a woman who falls in love with the leading man. And, and I think that's why a movie like Pretty Woman was such a big hit. You know, guys loved her, and, and the girls loved him, and... and that whole thing. And that's gone now. You just don't see that anymore. And it's a, uh, it's a shame because I missed that. I just, the other day I was watching, um, Rebecca, the, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. And I fell in love with Joan Fontaine and it lasted for three days and it was wonderful. <laughs> and you, yeah. that just doesn't happen anymore. There's no Sharon Stones anymore. There's no, there's no Pam Anderson's anymore. And it's a, it's a huge loss because sex sells. Yeah. And, uh, it would be sultry, but it's not empowering. So that's sort of a, that's the new buzzword. And by the way, the new movie, Isn't It Romantic, makes fun of rom-coms. And I'm thinking, rom-coms are dead. They don't make them anymore. Why, why yeah. are you parroting a, gen- a genre that was like, it's already six years RAP? Um, uh, one thing I'm, I'm noticing, and I'm, I'm so curious about the 2020 election cycle when it comes to Hollywood, is you've got a couple of documentaries. And the, the Beto O'Rourke one, I'm, I don't know the name. The other one's Knocked Down the House with uh, AOC. And I'm thinking this might be sort of part of the 2020 election cycle where Hollywood cranks out these fawning documentaries. They get great reviews. They get lots of awards. What else do you think we'll see in 2020 from Hollywood? You know, I'm going to guess the PSAs will return. I'm going to guess there'll be people on the, 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 you know, on the stump speeches, what we saw already. But I, I feel like Hollywood will kind of even – will intensify their efforts. But I'm not sure what, what form it will be. What, what do you think is going to happen? I think you're going to it's some of us are old enough to remember the 2004 election when uh, George W. Bush wasn't supposed to get reelected and he he beat John Kerry. And I remember that after that election, there were billboards put up uh, right, right, right next to where the Oscars took place just a few months after Bush's reelection that had pictures of Michael Moore and all these other left wingers. And it said, thanks, Hollywood. <laughs> and George Bush is thanking them. And. And I think what you're going to see is Hollywood just lose its mind. And I am, a, it, to me, two big friends of Donald Trump right now are the media and Hollywood. Every time Rob Reiner tweets, 10 more Republicans register the, to vote because <laughs> they are so helpful to us and they can't control themselves. And you are going to see them cause not, not, not only a lot of people – 
on the right animate us to go out and vote because we just want to vote against Michael Moore. Or we want to vote against, you know, the uh, whatever loudmouth is out there. But you're going to see them cause trouble for the Democrat, just like they did in 2004. Whoopi Goldberg, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she said something awful about George W. Bush right in front of John Kerry. And that became a huge problem for him. He had to deal with that. And that's something that we're going to see because these people are totally unhinged and they are disconnected from any kind of reality. Uh, I want to look at maybe some positive signs. When you think about people right of center and stories that are right of center, we've got Unplanned coming out, I believe, next month. It's about uh, Planned Parenthood. We've already seen Gosnell, which I think in a small way was successful, although I, I hoped it would have been bigger. Is sort of the new media, the the social media, the you can make a movie on the cheap now, like you couldn't before. Is that is that the path to people right of center, or is or do they still have to kind of go through the traditional outlets to kind of to reach the masses? Well, you have the, the big thing is is distribution. That's always been what stopped people from making movies because you can, you know, even before digital, you could make a movie fairly inexpensively. Um, but the problem was distributing it. Well, the, the, the Internet's changed all of that. You can distribute through the Internet. You know, you can get a movie on Amazon, even my shitty little movies on Amazon. Hmm. And and that that's a big deal. But you but you still have to learn the craft and to learn the craft. I think you need to get into the way because nobody makes movies and televisions better than Hollywood USA. No one. There's a lot of great television overseas, but no one does it better than we do. And you have to get in there. You have to learn the craft. But as our culture fragments, and I think this is a good thing, is the fragmentation of our culture. I don't like mass culture. It's too it's too persuasive and it can be abused too easily. Um, you're going to see – I think you're going to just see more and more and more of it. And as talented people are able to make a living in alternative media – uh, and don't feel like they need to sell their souls to mainstream Hollywood, I think you'll see more of them come over to to do this. Because there are a lot of people in Hollywood who who are right of center. They just don't say so because they know they're going to get blacklisted. So all of it's heading in the right direction. It's not happening as quickly as any of us would like it to happen, but, but it is happening. Um, and there's also an infrastructure in new media, alternative media. There's your site. There's Breitbart. There's, there's, there's talk radio. There's all these other sites. Uh, that have just as much power now as CNN, and they can get the word out. So that's another problem. Distribution and public and publicity, both of those problems have, have very much been solved. Mm-hmm. John, before I let you John, go, I wanted to talk a little bit about older films. I know you, you you love them dearly, and you've got lots of favorites. But if there are any sort of younger people, millennials, listening to this podcast, and they're you know they've heard all the obvious, the Gone with the Winds, and you know the classic movies. What are some older films that are under the radar that don't get a lot of attention or headlines that you could recommend and say, hey, you want to hear, you want to watch some great storytelling, check this out, even though it may not get a lot of publicity? I would, the first thing I would recommend is that they go to the American Film Institute, 100 greatest, 100, 100 greatest movies ever made, and watch those. And not, they update it every 10 years or so. Get the first one. The first one is the best. The first one is Uncorrupted. I think it came out in 2000. Um, but that that's that would be my first. Those are really, really wonderful movies. And some of them are a little more contemporary, like Schindler's List. But uh, 
uh, most of them are, are classics. And you can Hitchcock and John Ford and William Wyler and all those great movies. Um, and the other, another list I would recommend is that a, I think it was two years ago, I put up a list of the 165 greatest American movies ever made. And there's a lot of movies on there that I think people haven't heard of, or at least, you know, you know, if, if, all, if your knowledge of film is just film school, you know, 101 or, or uh, uh, you know, the Internet. But I, I, I would recommend that. There are movies, you know, everyone's heard of Singing in the Rain, but I'm not sure a lot of people have heard of The Bandwagon, mm-hmm. which is another fat uh, MGM musical I love even more. Uh, there's a wonderful movie called The Human Comedy that stars Mickey Rooney, a World War II movie. It's not an action movie. It's about the home front. No one's heard of that movie. And it's just it's just fabulous. And Cool Hand Luke, if you want to if you want to see a movie about individualism, about about a man who is his own man. uh, Cool Hand Luke, I think, is the most American movie ever made. Uh, So there's a lot out there, all kinds of what I would call um, deep cuts, you know, hidden gems. And and I put them on that list, and I would uh, that that would be the best place I can send people. Great. Well, we'll have links to all those lists on the website HollywoodIntoIt.com on the show notes page. And John, thanks again for joining the Hitcast. You can read John's essential work at Breitbart News. Of course, that's Breitbart.com, and follow him on Twitter at NoltyNC. John, keep fighting the good fight. Love your work. Hey, you too, buddy. Thank you. Well, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out HollywoodandToto.com for both the show notes and, of course, the latest entertainment news. Please follow me at Twitter at HollywoodandToto. And we'd love it if you leave a podcast review over at iTunes. See you next week. Support for this podcast comes from Magic the Gathering Arena. You know the name. Now play the original strategy card game for free in an immersive digital experience full of explosive action and rewarding challenges. New to Magic? No problem. MTG Arena gives you the tools to become a Magic Master. Learn the basics at your own pace and unlock 15 decks just by playing. Download Magic the Gathering Arena for free on your Mac or PC. Available on the Epic Game Store. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.